0: Another episode of Dear Men. I'm really excited about this one. Um, <clears throat> we are going to be talking about a similar topic to what we did in the last episode. And that has to do with pain during sex and pleasure during sex. So both of those subjects. Um, the structure of today's is going to be a little bit different. I have my men's coach friend, Peter, with me. And um, his beat is sort of the masculine. A big part of this podcast is bringing the masculine and the feminine together so that we're in cooperation, we're listening, we're learning from each other, we're growing together. So that's something that was really important to me in thinking about how to put this together. And I'm really excited to be doing the first episode with Peter. The way this is generally going to work is we're going to have an episode with a guest, which was... The last episode, and then there'll be an episode with me and Peter discussing that subject with the survey results that you guys gave us. So it will be the masculine and the feminine represented by Peter and me, but also by all of you that join the big sexy data set and make your voices heard with the surveys. So before we get into the subject, I just want to introduce Peter and um yeah, just do a little discussion about who he is and why he's here. Um I met Peter, uh, through a friend about a year ago and I was immediately impressed by his level of consciousness and just his ability to meet me. And I feel really consistently seen, um, by him and impressed by what he has to say. And, um, we've actually never met in person other than once at Burning Man. So Peter lives in Colorado. I live in California. And um, a couple months before we met, we 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 used the app Boxer to talk back and forth. And then we realized we were both going to be at Burning Man. And we ended up meeting up there, which by the way, is like almost an impossibility at Burning Man because there's no reception and everything's just flowing in the field. So the fact that we actually met Um, our friends, Jason and Violet were getting married and we met at their, met up at their wedding. It was pretty magical. And I was really impressed. I feel like the thing that impressed me the most during our meeting was that we actually had a little bit of conflict and Peter was, he, he was able to meet me where I was. And actually he was the one that reached out to me. So I felt like kind of collapsed and shut down and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to say and I was sort of withdrawn and he kind of reached out and asked me what was going on and, and said like, if this has anything to do with me, like I'd like to know and I, I'm just, I'm really here. And I feel like there's been a lot of circumstances in my life where men haven't met me and I haven't felt seen and held and So that really meant a lot to me. And I feel like there was a lot of work that went in to get there. Um, I think a lot of work has to go in for a man to be able to get there and to be able to hold that kind of space for the feminine. So um, welcome, Peter, to the podcast. And um, I would love to hear just a short intro from you and then maybe just a little bit about how you feel like you were able to get to that place where you could meet a woman like me in that way.
1: Great. Hey, Melanie. Thanks. Thanks for welcoming me. Happy to Mm -hmm. be here. Um, Yeah. uh, Short intro about myself. I'm like, where do I start? But maybe I could say I'm a coach. I work with the body. um, I work with the soul. I live on um, a community farm. Uh, sort of homestead uh, with a few other families and friends here in Colorado, in the western slope of Colorado, and my little dog. Um, yeah, I it was while you were talking about that encounter we had at Burning Man, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about like what you know, like what were the ingredients that went into that kind of thing being possible for me? And and a couple came up, but the thing that was the loudest was being able to get to a place in my life where I don't take personal, I don't take it personally when a woman is having strong feelings uh, about either who I am or how I'm showing up. Even, mm. if, even if those feelings, like in my opinion or whatever in the moment, are like totally not fair or, mm-hmm. or way out of proportion. Like being able to just hear another person's experience, even even if their experience to them is the experience of me being awful, for me to be able to, which wasn't exactly what it was with you, but I think being able to do that in my life prepares me to be able to say, so what is happening for you right now? Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I sort of know that even if they say, you know, you are the most horrible person in the world, I can go got it so i'm the most horrible person in the world and the person can go yeah totally yes you are and i can go wow i i am i get that and then they go yeah and then a lot of you know and so then we go from there but um i mean there's a lot more that goes into that but yeah that would that's that's where i would start
0: yeah and can you say a little bit more about how you feel like you you got there because that was probably a journey i'm guessing um and i feel like uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I do want to get to the subject today, but I think this is a really good sort of introduction into who you are as a man. And I'm guessing that it also informs your coaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. So thank you. Um, how did I get to being able to just, well, I think probably, um, so I'm just thinking back to a relationship that I was in a few years ago where we both learned uh, the couple's dialogue, which comes from the work of Harville Hendricks and the Imago therapy, which is a couple's therapy. And he's the author of the book, Getting the Love You Want, and a couple other workbooks. Uh-huh. And books. And when we went through that, they basically said, so when you, go into the, when you both are triggered, one of you has to like, literally put your trigger aside, get the other person's world, like get what it's like to be them even if you're like screaming in yourself the whole time being like, that's not true. That's not the way it is. And then switch. And Mm. I started to practice it with her and we didn't have success as a couple. And we actually didn't have a lot of success at relating. And that's probably why we didn't have success as a couple. But one of the things that we did have is I noticed that when I did that, it was like something switched in my brain. I was like, Oh, so I can just turn off my story for a minute and just get their story. And I'll just say one other thing about it. And that is that I do think there is something particular about my story that makes me sensitive both to having myself be understood. There's almost like, it's really hard for me to not be understood that paradoxically, like kryptonite makes me Mm -hmm. able to put my own story aside, almost like a superpower. And and I've developed that, but you know, that's where, that's the genesis.
0: Huh, and would you say that that ability to kind of put your trigger aside for a moment and understand her first? Would you say that that has helped in your relationships with women?
1: Oh yeah, I mean that I, weird I, I, that's like that is still my go to before that. I was always defending my position while my partner was defending her position or mm. trying to explain my position while my partner was trying to explain her position, and we always felt like we were sort of trying to, you know, claim and reclaim territory that had been lost Mm. moments earlier. And once Mm -hmm. I learned how to be able to say, Oh, so you get to have your version of reality that is completely independent of mine and me getting it doesn't actually have it be that mine's wrong. And paradoxically it doesn't actually make you hold on tighter to yours. Once you get gotten there, You can kind of relax yours. And then when I get gotten where I am, ideally, if we both have the emotional space to switch sides after we're done, then I relax. And then we can come back to relating on the basis of, you know, love and trust and connection.
0: Yeah. It's almost like once I feel understood, I can relax.
1: It's like not about the content. It's just about getting understood there. Totally.
0: Yeah. That's really cool, and I think this is probably something that we'll go back to. But um, <clears throat> I just want to call it out as someone who has experienced it. I definitely felt relaxed, like I relaxed, and I felt I just felt met and I felt seen, and I felt like it was safe for me to be be exactly where I was, which was like sad and frustrated. Mm-hmm. And once I felt really seen and like met by you. And I felt like you were hold. I really felt like you were holding the space. Like I felt like you were holding the space and I could be in it with you. Mm. Um, I didn't feel like I had to lead. Like I felt like you were leading that, that holding and it really just made a huge impact on me. So Mm. thank you for that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I'm really glad to have you here. I'm really happy to have, um, a man to discuss these topics with, because I think, there's something really, there's just something really beautiful about when it does work, when the masculine and feminine do come together. Um, I feel like something particularly special is created and becomes possible that wasn't possible before.
2: Hey, a quick note before the rest of this episode. In discussing sex in this episode, we talk about straight women having sex with straight men. The survey responses we mentioned are also from people who identify as hetero. We know this isn't the only kind of sexual relationship or gender identity that exists, and they're all valid. I just wanted to make sure to mention it specifically because we want all of our listeners to feel included, and we want to acknowledge all different kinds of identities. Okay, back to the episode.
0: So today we're going to talk about um, the survey results. We we discussed um, well, we heard from Z last episode about her experience with pain during sex and her journey to pleasure to actually having pleasure during sex. And um, I pushed a survey to you guys about it. And we're going to just go over those results and just kind of have a discussion about what this what this issue is like with an eye towards um, the masculine role. Like, what is the masculine role here? You know, we heard about what, what Z's husband, um, what his experience was a little bit. Um, but I want to just kind of... Talk about that, about how the masculine can meet the feminine here in what is literally a very painful place, and how that can be um, a really healing thing for both parties. Um, I just want to tell a little story before we start because I have, once you treat, I have four women in my life who have had this issue. Um, the medical term for pain during sex for a woman is vaginismus. And the fact is we don't have a lot of scientific research on vaginismus yet. So nobody is really clear on the scope of the problem, but I crunched some numbers and I looked up some research statistics that we do have. And on the low side, um, scientists believe that about two to 4% of women suffer from vaginismus and on the high side, 15%. So in the United States, that means that it's 2.7 million women on the low side and 23 million women on the high side. That's a lot of people. And I feel like this is something that we don't really talk about very much. Um, but I, if there's anyone listening that does experience this, I just want you to know that you're truly not alone. There are millions and millions and millions of women all over the world, but even just in this country, almost 23 million. Realistically, because, for example, the four women that I know that experience pain, they've never been diagnosed it, and they've never seen a physician about it. So I think there's a lot of women that are experiencing it that don't that don't end up talking about it and it doesn't end up getting counted. If that makes sense. Um. So, yeah. So that's just a quick like intro about the scope of it. And then I also wanted to give. I, I think this relates to what we, we were just talking about about the masculine holding space for the feminine. Which is, I want to put another voice in the dialogue here. Which is um, another friend of mine on the East Coast. We'll call her Sally, who also um, suffered from vaginismus, uh, and it was an experience with a man that really moved her forward. So I just want to put this into the story because I think it's really important to know that this 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 kind of thing is also possible. Cause I think Z did a lot of the work on her own and then ended up with a partner who she had pleasure with. My friend Sally had suffered with vaginismus. I mean, all through her twenties and thirties, it sex was really painful. It was kind of like painful to the point where she couldn't really do it. Like he couldn't, the penis couldn't really go in. Um, And this was a really big deal for her because it impacted her dating life. Like, like, if you go on dates and you know that you can't have sex or sex is really painful for you, I have a couple other women friends like this where it's like they sort of feel like anxious just even getting started because they feel like they're going to go on these dates and then the guy is going to want sex or expect sex and they're not going to be able to do that. And it's going to be a huge block. And so it's almost like, well, what's the point of even going out with him? it's not going to work out in the end anyway, kind of thing, or just it's like a stressful part of the relationship. And um, before I tell the end of that story, I'm just curious, like, Peter, have you ever had that experience of being with a woman who had that kind of pain? And what was your experience like?
1: I'm not. So, uh, so the short answer is no, I don't think I've ever been with someone who was experiencing intense, pain in terms of what you're talking about with vaginismus i've been Uh a number of women that have experienced burning or um have experienced different pain that might be from not having had sex in a while or Uh feeling like it's going on too long or too you know too dry and things like that but the thing that i wanted that 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 occurs to me almost as like a first principle of this is what it makes me aware of is um, how it's actually prob- probable that I've been with women who were experiencing this, that just didn't say anything. Um, yeah. Just be, you yeah. Know.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think this is a good time to bring in a couple of the voices from the survey because you haven't experienced it, but a, several of the men that responded have. Um one of them said, so the this is the question about um if you have and it was with someone that where sex was painful, what was your experience like? Yeah. And one of the men said, um, confusing at first. She didn't speak about it and it was difficult to tell at first that she was in pain.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> and I feel like that is um I don't know if it's common, but I do think that it it comes up over and over where the, where women don't speak up, they're not speaking up. They're they're grinning and bearing it, or they're trying not to bring it up. Because, well, I'm guessing just for me, if it were me in that circumstance, it'd be like I don't, I do want to connect. You know, like I do want this to work. I do want to connect. I'm trying. I want it to work, and it's not, and it hurts. And I don't know how to say that without hurting, hurting your feelings. Um, if you were if you were to if you were gonna be in that circumstance like if you imagined yourself in that circumstance with a woman who was like actually this kind of hurts like you know what would your reaction be
1: well it depends on my, my I think I like to think that my reaction today would be one of curiosity and care and mm-hmm. uh, slowing things down and getting really curious um, checking my own, um triggers that might come up, you know, I really want to have sex, or it's it's it was so hot and now you want to stop, or like right when it gets hot, now you want to stop, or or Uh you know, or like you know, any number of things. I mean, and um being able to, you know, like one of the things that occurs to me is is I think people do this. Like, for example, like when a kid complains about something, like in a in a car ride that's super long, and the kid's like, "I'm bored," and we kind of dismiss their complaint because we say, "Well, they're a kid and they don't know how to wait long enough." I think there's a way we can do that for partners. So be be like, "Oh, she's just she just can't get vulnerable enough," or like, "She just can't mm. um, she she just you know something's coming." I knew this about her before we started having sex. Like, I knew she was going to have a problem there. And there's a way in which we can miss the moment, the opportunity for intimacy to actually Mm. just get curious with the experience that's presented and just say, yeah, "Yeah, wow. And, and notice if we have attachment to a particular outcome, notice if we have attachment to having a particular experience and just Mm. getting curious. And I think there's two things or three things. One is a lot of men aren't, don't necessarily have, the sort of training or experience to be able to do that a lot of women don't have the experience of men being able to do that so they don't sort of lean into that possibility yeah uh, it's those two things so yeah
0: yeah i think that's well said um i think a lot of the i found a lot of the male responses to be pretty encouraging in terms of that um one man said there was some initial embarrassment on my part, but I found that having a communicative partner went a long way. One partner simply needed a lot of foreplay and lube to avoid pain more than anyone I've been with before or since. But once we figured that out, once we figured out what worked for her, we had some pretty amazing times. Um, Another man said it was worrying and concerning and stopped the sex. It reduced my arousal significantly slash completely and made sex into a much slower, more intentional conversation and exploration. And I feel like that's kind of getting at what you said, which was slowing down and kind of getting curious instead of maybe reacting to it. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, in this particular question, I... I wonder about like if we'd had more time to be able to chat with this person, or like the idea that arousal can be can be reduced significantly or completely, and then an intentional conversation exploration can't be, you know, hot or can't be a turn on. He's not necessarily yeah. saying that, but I I think that that's a lot of times the fear and on both sides. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't think that's true. I think a lot of times. It just takes a lot of trust and patience, and um, I mean, to me, this is the ground of of relating intimately. Yeah, and whatever right. comes up is what comes up, and even if we can't do it skillfully, that is what's coming up, and then we get to be either limited there or deep in there or over time learn there. I mean, I think it has to do with how much that the couple or the, the, the people want to, you know, find that common ground together.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a good um, point to, for me to finish my story about Sally. So Sally, like I said, had, a, you know, just had a lot of problems in that, area all through her 20s and 30s and then she ended up going on a retreat and she met a guy and he um he was interested in her they were interested in each other it was one of those like 5 day retreats like they were together for like a, a you know a period of time it wasn't like one night or anything and um they they were spending the nights together they were they were hooking up and she was pretty open about what was going on for her. She told him like this is this is my body, this is what happens for me and I'm not necessarily going to be able to have intercourse. And he was really wonderful with her. Like he really just I think the biggest thing I got out of the story when she was telling it was he was completely present with whatever was happening. And he wasn't attached to the outcome. He he wasn't like making it about him or like he needed to have sex or he, you know, it it wasn't really about that. It was more like, I'm right here. Like I'm right here. I'm happy to do whatever we want to do if we just want to use our hands or, um, I think he went down on her. I, I really can't remember from the story. What I remember is that, um, she was really ready. Like she really wanted this to be different and she wanted it to work. And she trusted this man because of this, the way he was showing up and he was really able to hold that space for her and kind of just be, yeah, like be the masculine and be holding that space. Okay. With whatever happened. And, um, she ended up actually having intercourse with him and, um, used this breathing technique where you exhale like all of your breath. So she would exhale all of her breath and then he would come in a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then he would go out and she would breathe again. And so she was kind of doing physiological things to help her body mm. um, accept his penis basically. And and it worked, it worked. And I, I'm really inspired by that, by that story for a number of reasons. But I think the biggest one is like, it really feels like, kind of like teamwork, right? Like it's like he really showed up for her and she really let herself be vulnerable and be seen and and she was like present with herself. She was like I really want this. Like I really want this to work. I this is a wonderful man. I want this I want this sex. Like I want sex and I want sex to feel good and I also want to get over this kind of like barrier or hurdle that's been in my life and um it's really been different for her after that. Because like I was saying, that that sense of dating when you know that sex is painful for you is a really big deal because you can't... It's not just like, oh yeah, I'm going to hook up with some guy. It's like, oh God, what, it, what happens when we start making out? And I have to say, like actually this doesn't really work for me the way that it does for other women. Like you think there's a ton of shame around the whole thing. And I was really happy when I heard that because it really made me, I don't know, it just made me inspired for what is possible when we do show up for each other and we're kind of just in it together. Like you, like you were saying about just really being present with what is happening instead of like trying to like make something happen. It's, it's, I don't know. I feel like it can be really magical.
1: Totally. I mean, that story is super inspiring just because it has, that so much magic in it. Like it doesn't even need to be broken down into like what he did and what she did. It's like what occurred. Yeah. You feel the healing coming out of it. I mean, of course you could have heard the same story and then been like, Oh, it didn't work. But the fact that it did just is so sort of educational and instructive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was really, I found it really inspiring and, and, and hope, hope inspiring. Like it, it made me, have hope because I think um, a lot of times I, I I feel like as women there there is definitely a pressure to have sex and to kind of provide that in a in a relationship. And I yeah. talked to a few women who ha- have this experience, and part of their fear is like, I'm so afraid that he's just gonna go find someone who can have sex, mm. like that I'm not worth sticking around for it. like, I'm not worth sticking around for it if I can't fix this in myself. Like there's so much shame around. I should be able to do this. I should be able to provide what other women can provide. And I just like my body just doesn't want to do it. And I, you know, I feel like there's a lot of helplessness around that. And um, I think the way that that man showed up for her was sort of helped that part of her relax. Like, Hey, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> we can have sex or not have sex. It's okay. Like I'm just happy to be here with you. This feels good. I'm right here. Yeah. This is this is. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. Sorry, I I just wanted to say like one of the sort of like advantages that they had as partners in that situation might partly be. Well, I was going to say it's an advantage and a disadvantage, but one of the advantages of not being in a committed relationship when encountering that kind of a situation is he gets to be like, hey. Because you said that they they weren't in a committed partnership, right? Right. He kind of gets to say, like, I'm totally here. And I I imagine that having that kind of openness when it's just been frustrating, like I'm just imagining somebody listening, like a a man or a couple or anybody listening to it and being like, yeah, but we've been struggling for so long. It can be so hard to sort of get back to that place of innocence and get back to that, that place of, for example, like the man might be thinking like, you know, you're know, you thinking things like, I am wanting to leave. It isn't working. I'm frustrated. I'm tired mm-hmm. of not being able to have sex with my partner. I'm tired of not. And, yeah. then you, and then you start to attach the sort of symptoms to their behavior and you start to blame them for it. And there's just all this sort of negative luckiness mm-hmm. that can come in. And so just appreciating that, that is such a beautiful story. And in a way, he showed up as like a sex healer, which is not something that any partner couldn't show up for, but it just speaks to the level of sort of innocence and presence and unattachment that is required and kind of beginner's mind in order for that yeah. heights to be sort of uh, reached.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I think the other encouraging thing from the survey responses, uh, a lot of the men indicated that they had talked to their partner about it or that they and their partner had talked about it. Um, This question was, did you and your partner talk about it? How was that? There were a lot of yeses. There were a few. um, This person said, yes, it was easier than I expected it to be because she didn't personalize the pain to me or make me feel accused. I quickly felt like part of the solution. Another man said, yes, hard and growing for us as we found ourselves in relationship with one another truly relating learning each other's experience and taking care of one another um and i thought this one was particularly poignant he said we did we did talk about it it involves shame fear difficulty regret etc a plethora of feelings not typically considered sexy which i feel like is really exactly. true and part of right and part of what particularly for women who are dating and not in a long-term partnership can make it challenging to discuss because it's not it's not sexy. It's not sexy. It's not considered sexy. Um but kind of like you said, depending on how the man shows up, it actually can be sexy and it can be very healing. And that's sort of why that this whole thing about pain and pleasure and pleasure and pain like they are connected. They are connected. And when mm-hmm. we're met in our pain, that can end up feeling good. It can end up feeling like even more. I don't know what the word is. It's going to say sacred, but something about like even more heart opening. Um, were you going to say something? I was just.
1: Oh good. <laughs> totally. I was just going to say uh, while we're um, while we're not downplaying the sort of potential for healing that's available, I also don't want to downplay the sort of challenging relational dynamic this is for some people and can be. Like it's really hard. And so if people fail and or they feel like they're failing or they're just not able to be that for each other, they should also know like, man, this is this is advanced. Like this is the stuff of like really hard relational issues.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good a really good transition to a couple of solutions that I want to offer. So, um, I've been thinking about this a lot and I've been talking to my, my women friends who have this experience and looked at the survey and all of it. And I just want to, um, offer a couple of solutions that are possible. Um, I'm going to have these in the show notes, so don't worry about writing everything down, but I want to, I want to make sure that I cover all of these. So, um, First of all, there are a couple of really good books about this. One is called When a When a Woman's Body Says No to Sex, Understanding and Overcoming Vaginismus. And then there's another one called Private Pain. It's about life, not just sex. And that is by the Women's Therapy Institute. And they do a lot of work with this exact issue. So this is some of the best research that exists on the subject. And um, those are both available on Amazon and I'll drop them in the show notes. Um. Another thing that I wanted to say, solution wise, is sex therapy and couples therapy, sex and couples therapy combined, or sex therapy individually or as a couple. Z mentioned this in her episode, and we're we're gonna hear actually in another episode of our podcast, we're gonna hear from an actual couple that goes to sex therapy and their experience because I think it's like a mystery for a lot of people. They just really don't know what happens there. But the point I want to make about this is kind of like you were saying Peter this can be a really really challenging issue for a couple and a lot of times like it can really help to have someone else present it can help to have a third party a sex therapist that's seen the issue before that knows about it that's able to really help the couple because i think one of the things that happens is what z said in her in her interview was that part of what was going on for them was that there were little hurts and little resentments that were building up in their relationship that were not getting dealt with.
1: Totally.
0: And those ended up, I think, I think that was part of why her body didn't want to let him in. It was like, there were all these little barbs and little, little things that just, they just kind of swept under the rug and they built up and built up and, and her body just closed and like, didn't want to let him in in that way anymore. That is something that can be really hard to deal with on your own as a couple. And so having a couple counselor or a sex therapist, especially a sex therapist, because that's what they're trained in. Um, And what I wanted to say about that is I feel like another barrier for people to getting therapy is not knowing how to find a therapist. And I just want to throw this out there that Yelp is actually a pretty good resource. Yelp.com, I know that you usually use it to find like a restaurant or like a spa, but therapists are on there. And I did a quick search for in just five like major American cities, um, L.A., Chicago, Boston. I think I did one in like Florida or something. And sex therapists are on there. And there are some really good reviews. And you, know, you can get a sense of them. You can go to their website, all that stuff. But if you do need a therapist, Yelp is a good resource. So that's thing number two. Um, the third thing is what Z mentioned in her episode about her online Tantra course. Um, Tantra is, you know, as we will probably get into in another episode, it is, there's a lot of different types of Tantra, but a lot of Tantra has to do with the breath, connecting the breath to the body and becoming more mindful of breath. And that can really help with all kinds of issues in the body, not just vaginismus, but all kinds. Z found that course to be really helpful. It's in the show notes for the last episode. I'll drop it in the show notes for this one too. But the advantage of that, I just wanted to say, is that if you take an online Tantra course, you can do that in the privacy of your own home. You don't have to go to a therapist. You don't have to do anything outside of just your own process. So if that's where you are, that's a great place to start. Like reading one of these books, taking one of those courses. And then the fourth thing I want to mention is... um, I have a, a bunch of friends who are survivors of sexual trauma and that can be one of the, re- the related factors to something like this. And there are um, empowered sexuality groups or other support groups that are for people who've gone through sexual trauma. Um, they, they exist in a lot of different cities and they can be a good place to kind of connect with other people because I think one of the biggest issues when it comes to this particular subject is feeling alone and feeling broken. Z mentioned that a couple of times, just feeling alone and feeling broken. And a couple of the other women that I know who've gone through it sort of are like, I don't know, like no one talks about it. I feel like I'm, I'm alone. And I, I think that's like a huge barrier to, to starting the process of healing. And so just finding one of those support groups can help. Um, the last thing I want to say is, um, I could be missing stuff. Like what, you know, what am I missing? If you have gone through this or you know someone who has, and there was something that really helps them, let me know. Drop me a line at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, or we have a Facebook group. Um, If you want to be more anonymous and private, then just email me, but you can also drop it in our Facebook group. If, you know, there's a more public resource that you want to know about. Um, And then... um, yeah, because I think that's that's sort really of like the point of this whole exercise, right? Is to bring us all together more. That like we're not going through these things alone. And it and it feels like there are a lot of things around sexuality that we don't talk about and we're not taught. Like in my opinion, this kind of thing should be taught in sex ed. Like if 15% of women deal with it, and and that means that tons of men are going to be with women who deal with it, you know what I mean? It should be taught. We should be taught these things. So since we're not yet, and trust me, I'm going to work on that too, but since we're not yet, I think that's kind of the whole purpose of all of this is to help all of us sort of connect with each other around these things so that we can have better sex and we can have more connection. And like, you know, like Peter, like you were saying, like we can have the beautiful experiences where we show up in the moment and we see where it goes without attachment to the outcome. We're just kind of, being in the unfolding and seeing what happens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, do you have anything to add to any of that or any other thoughts on the, the solutions part?
1: No. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so again, I'm going to drop all of that stuff in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't write down those book recommendations or whatever. Um, and um, I lied. There's actually one last thing I wanted to say, which was one of the things that Z and I talked about extensively um, outside of the interview, not not in the interview, was our relationship to our femininity or masculinity. in in Z's family of origin, part of her experience was feeling like femininity was denigrated, like it was seen as weak or not having as much value. And there was a way that she she hated that part of herself. She hated her feminine, qualities and and her feminine parts like her lady parts like she would get cramps and she would kind of yell at her body and she really just hated that part of herself and and it kind of showed up in her physiology um she has mentioned several times that embracing working on her femininity embracing her femininity has really made an impact on her physiology she doesn't have cramps that are as bad now she doesn't have this experience um with sex that kind of thing and i just wanted to mention that because. I think a lot of times in our culture, we take things like something like vaginismus that is a physical experience, and we only focus on like the vagina and just the one that one bit, right? Like same with erectile dysfunction, we're like, oh, it's all about the penis. And but we're whole holistic people. We are whole people, and the experience that we're having around our femininity or our masculinity will often show up in our genitalia, for example, but there's a larger experience that's happening. It's all connected. And the reason I wanted to say that was the last recommendation I would have for women that are in this situation or their partners is um, the work of Regina Thomas Hauer. She's also known as Mama Gina. And she does some really wonderful work with women around femininity and embracing what is so, like the full range of femininity, meaning not just like the stereotypical image of femininity, which I feel like is like being demure and cute and, you know, docile and whatever, like, no, the real femininity, which is womanhood. And it's about all of it. It's about the full range of expression, including the shame and the sadness and the rage, but also the radiance and the sexuality and the sensuality and the excitement and the grace, all of it, the full range of it. And her book hit the number one slot on the New York Times bestseller list. And part of the reason I think that that's true is because this is really up in our culture right now. I think that the feminine coming into its power and the masculine coming into its true power, which is not the toxic masculine, but the healthy masculine, I think this is really up. And I think it's not a coincidence that it hit the number one slot on the New York Times list. And um, yeah, I just wanted to express that like really truly that I believe like as we heal our feminine qualities and our masculine qualities within ourselves and we come into balance, our physiology starts to match that. It starts to, it starts to become healthy as well. Um, The name of that book is called Pussy, a Reclamation. I wanted to say it, you know, with power, with gusto. And I will also drop that into the show notes if anyone's interested. I know that was a lot. I didn't mean to overwhelm anyone, but I really want this to be about the solutions and not just about the problems.
2: That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.